It's great to be here. I'm standing in the Caris Center. Uh, I guess you guys and girls are, are scattered all over the place. Some of you at home, uh, some of you perhaps you've gathered with a, another family to be able to share this morning. Wherever you are, uh, my prayer is that you will have thoroughly enjoyed and encountered the living God as we worship this morning. It's such a privilege, I must admit, it's, it's a privilege for me to be here, to be able to stand in this room live as the worship team are uh, worshiping, and uh, I am so looking forward to us all being able to be back together again here in this building. It's coming. It is coming. I promise you it's coming, and we are so hungry for it. Uh, And as you heard Peter mention a few moments ago, we have plans that as from the 4th of October, we'll be able to gather at least in a measure. Uh, And uh, I'm so looking forward to that. It feels like every little step has actually got huge significance at the moment. And uh, yeah, so we're, we're looking forward to that. Do remember when the time comes, I think it's as from the 28th of this month, uh, that you will need to book yourself in to be here with us on a Sunday morning. But for now, we're scattered. And actually, that's just really, it, it's, it's just so appropriate for this uh, series that we're working our way through. We love to gather. There is something um, particular, I think, about the people of God that you know, we, are, we are commanded to, to gather, to come together, to worship the Lord together as a gathered throng. You see it throughout Scripture um, and uh, right through from Old Testament to New Testament. The people of God gathered and they worshiped and they adored and they received teaching. They were devoted uh, to fellowship one with another. And that is vital But there's something really key for us uh, in this season that I feel God wants us to get hold of. You'll see on this slide, we've got these three words that go around the title there. It's everyone, everywhere, every day. Now that has got to be better than just a few people in mostly gathered close to or in the church building and occasionally. Like, let's face it, it's got to be good when we are all continually engaged in the extension of the kingdom of God wherever we are. Think yourself walking down the aisle at Tesco's or your, your preferred shopping center. You carry the kingdom of God with you as you walk. You are a walking encounter for the people around you. And I just feel like God's got hold of of us, his people in this season, to communicate something to us of his heart. He doesn't want us to have a one day a week for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning mentality. He wants us to have a 24-7, 365 mentality. This is why his spirit lives in us rather than in a building. His spirit is within us so that wherever we are, whenever that may be, we get to spill out his kingdom and his glory everywhere we go. The uh, verse, or one of the verses, excuse me, gone one slide too far. One of the verses that just speaks into this is uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. This is in the, the message translation. Let's just have a quick look at it together. It says this, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. I love the way that that has been phrased for us. It just 
grounds it into our everyday experience. You're sleeping, eating, walking around everyday life. I want each one of us to understand that God has ordained your ordinary. Ordain is not really a word that we use very much these days, but it speaks of that setting apart as holy and as devoted to the Lord. And the Lord wants you to know that he has ordained your ordinary. Makes me think of that really well-known Bible story of David and Goliath. Now, we've, we've, if, you've grew, if you've grown up in church or your kids are part of super gang here at Community Church, you'll be aware of that story. David goes out and he slays Goliath with his, with his little slingshot on a stone. And the giant falls. The other uh, enemy nation turns on their heels and runs. And there is a great deliverance for the people of Israel. It's an incredible, glorious day. It's a victory almost unlike any other. How did that start? I'll tell you how it started. David was sent to deliver cheese sandwiches to his brother. That's how basic, how ordinary it is. If you look through the story, you'll see that I'm not just making this up, but his father sent him out with some cheese and some bread and said, off you go and take this to your brothers. He went out on a very ordinary day. What's tomorrow morning going to look like for you? Will you be delivering cheese sandwiches? Perhaps not, but you might be doing something else that's just incredibly basic. Incredibly simple. You might be getting on the train. You might be uh, going out to the supermarket. You might be delivering your child to the school gate. It's an ordinary day. It's a cheese sandwich day. But when we go with a mindset that God has ordained our ordinary everyday life, then giants fall. I wonder what God has in store. I wonder Actually, I wonder how many times God has had incredible opportunities lined up for us. And in the moment, we're so preoccupied and we've set our sights so low that actually we miss the fact that he has ordained our cheese sandwiches. Bless you if you're eating a cheese sandwich today. Special significance on that one, I think. Well, we are encouraging folks to be reading a a very excellent book at the moment. This is it, Scattered Servants um, by Alan Scott. And I'm charging my way through it, I think, for about the third time. It's wonderful, provocative, life-giving stuff. And I think, actually, Alan Scott has released this book, published this book, at a key time um, for the people of God around the world. I'm aware of a number of churches who are focusing in on this book just as we are and speaking out of the contents of it. And I just want to commend it to you again. By the way, chapter five, if you get to chapter five and you think, you know, that's a bit church leadery, it is, but just set that one aside and skip on to chapter six to the end. It's great stuff. It's great stuff. What Alan Scott says, which I think is very significant for us and for the people of God around the world, is this. The next great move of God is not going to be a movement in the church. It's going to be a movement of the church into society. Uh, How timely is it that he um, wrote this and published it in 2019, not knowing at all that in 2020, the ability to gather in the church, where we look for God in the church, it's just not going to happen. It's just not possible. But what he has done in this incredibly timely way is he has said to us, folks, God saw this coming. God wants you not just in the church. He wants you in society. He wants you like yeast 
amongst the dough. He wants you scattered, spread out into every corner, every possible opportunity. Your desk becomes your worship station. Your commute to work becomes your pulpit. Not that we have one of those in this building, but you you know what I mean. We don't need to be in a hallowed environment in order to make it holy. The presence of the living Christ inside of you and inside of me is what makes those moments holy and turns them from ordinary into breakthrough moments. Such an insightful little thing that Alan has said in this book. We we are uh, journeying our way through Philippians as well, uh, kind of taking the two things hand in hand. And there's so much common ground um, between what Alan Scott writes in his book and what we find the Apostle Paul has written in the book of Philippians. We've been spending time in Philippians chapter 1. And, and as I spent time in chapter 1 over the last few weeks, just, just trying to get my head into what God wants to say to us this morning, the thing that struck me again and again is that the Apostle Paul was completely over-the-top, fixated, fascinated, overwhelmed, overawed. Like, he has no balance whatsoever. It's, it's Jesus. It's Jesus Christ. It's Christ our Lord. It's the good, the good news of Jesus. It's everywhere. Like, there's only about 30 verses, and about 21 times he mentions Jesus Christ. About five or six times he mentions the good news. Multiple times he says, of our God, and phrases like that. He is absolutely singularly focused. He is white hot focused on the person, the glory, the message, the splendor of Jesus. We started this morning singing about the splendor of the king. And as I read through Philippians chapter 1, what I see is the apostle Paul just sitting there in a, in a prison cell, not a pleasant prison cell, but in, in a, a horrible situation, a, a confined, difficult circumstance. And his heart and his mind is just enraptured with the person of Jesus Christ. He loves him. He is passionate beyond passion. And it kind of made me think as I was reading it through, I'm thinking, wow, wow, where's my passion? Where does, where does my passion really lie? What does my mind run to in those quiet moments? Well, you know what? It's not often the, the glory, the person, the wonder of Jesus. Yeah, sure, he's in there, but wow, there's so many distractions. If, if you're anything like me, there's so many things vying for our attention. And I just feel like Philippians chapter 1 is a call to us to refine our focus, to get our eyes fixed again on the beauty, the glory, the wonder of Jesus Christ. And to fuel this passion for his name, for his glory, and for his renown. The uh, key phrase, I guess, as you look through Philippians chapter 1, the one that we know so well here in verse 20, 21, Paul says, And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. He's so focused. He's so passionate. He is so in love with Jesus. And my prayer is even as you read these words on the screen, even as you have engaged in worship this morning, that there will be a fire beginning to burn in your heart again for the person of Jesus, for his name, for his renown, that he will be known and loved and worshipped all around this, this town, this region, and this planet. One of the 
things. Now, we haven't talked about this for a while here at Community Church, but one of the things we, we speak into every now and again are the cultures that we feel like God has called us to create and nurture in this environment. And one of those, one that we, I must admit, we don't often uh, come in and speak about this one, but the, the culture of passion. We cultivate passion, wholehearted and devoted. And again, I recognize, perhaps it's just something to do with the world in which we live. There are so many things vying for our attention that actually we can be interested in many things. We can be um, you know, we can follow multiple things on Instagram. We can follow many different accounts on Facebook. We can dip into the news. We can read a magazine. We can look at our phones. We can, all this stuff. We're interested. Oh, I must do this. I must do that. I must do the other. But wow, wholehearted, passionate following of Jesus Christ. It's a challenge. It's a challenge to me. It's been a challenge to me. And hey, you know, I get paid for it. And I know not, not many of us are in that position. But what a challenge to be wholehearted, single-focused, absolutely enraptured with the person of Jesus Christ. Why is it important? Well, what's the opposite of wholehearted? Half-hearted, I suppose. You could say disinterested, but let's, let's pick the kind of halfway house. Half-heartedness. I think our society is full of half-hearted people. And I think often I find myself sort of sliding into that category. I'm, I'm interested. I'm, I'm positive. I'll, I'll come along. But am I wholehearted? No, probably not. I'm, I'm more like strongly interested, reasonably inclined, but wholehearted? What's the problem? Well, I find this, I don't know where I find this, so I can't attribute it to anybody, but I find this really fun little quote about half-heartedness. And I just want to speak into it for a moment. Half-hearted faith communicates that a complete disregard of God is reasonable. Hmm. Half-hearted faith communicates that a complete disregard of God is reasonable. Now let's just drill into that a little bit, because let's face it, we live in a world where absolutes and Complete obedience and complete focus on one thing is often discouraged. We live in a very tolerant age where you're interested in that. Well, I'm interested in this. You believe this? Well, I believe that. And actually, we can find ourselves commending one another for being tolerant and for being broad-minded, but actually what we end up being is a bit half-hearted, a bit wishy-washy, a bit, well, I'm, you know, on a Monday I'm standing in this place, and on a Tuesday I stand in that place, and depends, you know, have I slept well or not slept well, then I may have a stronger view or a less strong view. But when we live that way, what we're actually saying to the people around us is, hey, take it or leave it. it you know what? It's up to you. If you believe, great. If you don't believe, yeah, well, you know, it's your choice. It's your choice. It doesn't really matter. It's okay. I'll still be your friend. And of course, we will still be people's friends. It doesn't switch our love off for a second. But think about what we communicate. Even just for fun, on the live chat at the side of your screen, if you can, why don't you answer some of these questions, some of these preference questions. I'm going to ask the small group of production team and leaders here to give me their answers. Why don't you put your answers in the chat at the side of the screen? Okay, folks, here we go. Looking to the, the gathered crew here this morning. Which is it? Costas or Starbucks? 
whoa, there's, there's a little bit of shouting going in both directions. Some people are definite Starbucks fans. Some people are more Costas fans. What about this one? Burger King or McDonald's? Oh, those, those food obviously speaks louder to the people in the room this morning. I, I wonder how you're doing at home. What about this one? I know I'm going to get a shout in my left ear on this one. Arsenal or Tottenham? Tottenham. Oh, there we go. <laughs> neither. Somebody says neither. And you know what? That's, that's completely to be expected. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote Philippians particularly Philippians chapter 1, he wasn't thinking in terms of categories that, well, let's face it, you can choose Costas, you can choose Starbucks, you'll still get a coffee. Um, There isn't really a consequence to your preference. There isn't really much, um, much weight on what you decide to say you're going to put yourself in that position. But try this one, folks in the room and folks at home. Life or death? Everybody in the room here just said life. And let's face it, we as a nation, as a globe at the moment, there is an ongoing pursuit of the preservation of life. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 1, fixated on the person of Jesus, absolutely spellbound by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, folks, this is life or death. This is not Starbucks or Costas. This is not even, sorry Steve, this is not even Arsenal or Tottenham. This is life or death. It is, it is to, to, to be our all. It is to consume our hearts. It is to fill our minds. The glory that you and I and the, the world has been invited into relationship with the living God who created each and every one of you for a purpose with a glorious destiny and who has done everything so that you can be united with him in perfect, perfect friendship. This is life or death. This is, this is a wholehearted issue, not a half-hearted issue. As C.S. Lewis uh, famously said, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if it's true, it is of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. This quote is one of the early ones that we open up on the Alpha Course Alpha Online starting this coming Tuesday. And I just commend that course to you. It's wonderful. But we provoke folks who who join with us with quotes like this one. You cannot just say, well, yeah, Jesus, I believe he existed, but I'm not, gonna, I'm not really that interested. If he existed, if the claims of Jesus Christ are true, then pff, wholehearted. We've we, we got to be white hot focused on that. And if it's false, you know what? Forget it. Turn off your screen. Forget everything I'm saying. It is of no importance. Go out, live whatever way you want to live. There are no consequences. It is a, it is a, a black and white life or death wholly consuming subject. Now, even as I stand here this morning, I can feel some of the groans coming through the, 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 the camera lens towards me this morning, saying, oh, Gareth, really, are you going after another evangelism drive? Is this another one of those, you've got to go out and be an evangelist messages? No, it's not, absolutely not, in fact. And uh, I want to show you a really... I find this such a compelling little quote, again, in this wonderful Alan Scott book. He says this, 
Believers enter the divine life, steeping their hearts in God, and they carry this life into their culture. Believers don't do evangelism. Believers bring life. Yes, you, you heard, you, you read correctly. Believers don't do evangelism. Believers bring life. We still do something. But we are not going out there on door-to-door sales. We are not going out there saying, hey, would you prefer, would you just do a little survey for me? Would you prefer Costas or Starbucks, Burger King or McDonald's? It's, it's a whole different category. We don't, we don't go out to, to give ourselves to a mechanism. We go out to spill the life, the love, the beauty, the glory, the power and authority of Jesus Christ into our world around us. So, Pressure off. Pressure off. I do not want any one of the members of our community going out on a, or even getting up on a Monday morning and thinking, right, I've got I've to psych myself up. I've got to get my lines straight. I've got to go out there and do evangelism today. No, I, I don't want you to do that. What I want for each and every one of us, myself included, is that every time I get out of bed, I center myself on the truth that Jesus Christ died for me and rose again and lives in me, that I share His divine nature as Scripture speaks about. I am infused with His Spirit, infused with His power, perfectly prepared to bring life into every circumstance that today is going to bring for me. I want us walking the streets with that confidence that he has ordained our ordinary, that there are going to be cheese sandwich moments today. When you carry that cup of coffee, could be to your work colleague. When you say hi to the person at the stop, when you you do not have to present the bridge illustration and the perfect five-step process to receiving Christ as your Savior and Lord, but hey, you get to leak the life and the glory and the beauty of Jesus into their hearts. You get to astound them with your compassion, with your, with your, with your love for them as individuals and for their families. And I want to just um, underline the fact that this is literally anywhere and everywhere. I want to read to you, as we close this morning, I want to read a little story from um, Scattered Servants. This is uh, about halfway through the book. Let me read this to you. I just love this story. Harry came to faith a couple of years ago. One morning, I was speaking at his church and referenced the quote by G.K. Chesterton, which says, every man who knocks on the door of a brothel is looking for God. It stood out to Harry because he was an employee at a local strip bar. In that moment, he perceived that the power of the kingdom was present in his workplace and that God had assigned him an environment to transform. The next time I saw Harry, his joy was unmistakable. He told me that numerous people from the strip club had become believers and several had been baptized. He then invited me to pray for one of the girls that he had brought to church that morning. Harry was new to faith, but he had just enough faith to continue the ministry of Jesus in an unlikely place with unlikely people. The kingdom gets everywhere. And I just want to say that your workplace, your neighborhood, your street, your family 
whilst you may think that is an unlikely place. The God of all creation says, I love to turn up anywhere and everywhere. And when you, like David did, took a step, put a little stone in a sling and said, well, what good can this do? When you engage in those perfectly, beautifully God-ordained moments, the King of all kings stands with you. And the words that come out of your mouth or the, the love that is expressed through a I was going to say the touch of your hand. You probably can't do that at the moment, but you know what I mean. The, 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 the thing is, it's more than just us. It's our king working through us, bringing transformation. He loves to ordain your ordinary. As I close this morning, I want us together just to read a few little declarations. Um, just scan them on, on your screen before we read them. I want us, as much as we can, to be reading these together with faith with absolute confidence, this is what God has said. And so wherever you are in your home this morning, I just encourage you together with me, let's read these through, declaring their truth into our innermost being so that we steep ourselves in the person and the beauty and the glory of Jesus Christ and then live from that place. Let's read them together. I am God's child. His favor is upon me. He has commissioned me with authority. The same power that raised Christ from the dead resides in me 24-7. The kingdom that is within me impacts the world around me. I bring his life to everyone, everywhere, and every day. Let me just pray for us. Father, I thank you that we do not do this alone. And I thank you that you do not send us out without your presence, without your power. I thank you, Lord God, that your invitation to each of us today is that we individually steep our lives in your presence and in your love. And that from that place of beautiful intimacy, we walk with confidence into society that we allow ourselves and the beautiful message of eternal life to be scattered across the garden fence, over the road, at the school. It's intentive to those little nudges, to those little prompts, to the opportunities that you have crafted for us. Because, Father, you're worthy of worship. You're worthy to be praised by everyone from every tribe and every tongue. We bless you, God. We thank you, Lord, for the the, the, the nearness of your presence this morning in this online environment. And we thank you that it is a promise for us that that same presence goes with us every day, no matter where we are. In Jesus' name, amen.